Welcome everybody to Learn With All. Today we're joined with Richard Flengey, yep. and I pronounced the name right, uh, who's joined us today to talk about renewable energy, batteries, electric cars, all these great things that he's been working on for a great number of years. And I just want to join everybody in welcoming Richard to the show today. It's good to be here. It's a beautiful yeah. day, and it's a, a great subject to be talking about. So. Yeah. And if, if anyone's noticing the great accent, it's because he's, he's from the South, which is nice to yeah. hear. You know, uh, America has so many different accents. People assume that we sound like people sound like me. We're like the Midwesterners. So it's either me or you that people picture when they think of America, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm right on the edge of the South. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so we were talking before and you were telling me that there's some, you have some interesting tie-ins with Elon Musk and another individual. And so I just was going to point the mic at you and let you, let me tell you about it. Well, we started out and the, the company was founded by uh, internet entrepreneur. His name was Jack Rickard. And he had uh, written a lot about internet service providers. He was a magazine editor. So Elon Musk and actually several of the uh, computer people followed him. So he started the video YouTube show and uh he this was in the early days of of tesla and it was prior to them shipping any product so this was before the tesla model s had ever shipped and we had he had placed the deposit which was five thousand dollars so he was going to do a show and i was the co-host and my spill my angle was i was going to call tesla up and ask them what happened to the $5,000 check? Because every time we were trying to get delivery on the car, it got delayed. And mm -hmm. Tesla had decided to become basically a computer answering machine. They had, they didn't want any human interaction and they still really don't. If you go to their service centers, they don't talk to people much. So I started calling and emailing Tesla and I got finally got a hold of somebody through a couple of levels. He wouldn't tell me his last name. He gave me the oh ho. He just kept sending me back to the website. So we got on to do the show, and he used was used to this being a magazine editor and pushing people's buttons. So we started making fodder out of the fact that Tesla had our $5,000 check. We didn't know what was going on. We were uh, hooting on Elon and asking questions. And we, we made this, this big sort of spectacle out of, we didn't know what happened to the $5,000 check. Well, we finished the show and posted it on YouTube. And I'm telling you what, I showed up and it wasn't a day later. And that check showed up in Federal Express. And mm -hmm. Elon sent the check back to us and canceled his deposit. So mm -hmm. uh, after that, we knew Elon was, was listening. And uh, uh, that was, that was kind of my, that's my only brush with Elon Musk, but it was something, you know, yeah. and uh, uh, he sent the check back and we had to turn around and send it right back because he wanted the car. So. Mm -hmm. Well, at least they didn't ban you. You know, if uh, yeah. they were like, "Oh, we're tired of you, 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 you uh, harangued us a little too much," then we're not letting you on the system. Yeah, no, he, he, we went right back in, and the guy was a uh, big stock follower. Mm. He talked a lot of people into 
buying Tesla stock early on. So he was hip on it. I think if people bought Tesla stock and then when they first IPO'd to today, it's like if you got like a thousand dollars, then it would be like a hundred thousand or something. Like it's it's a pretty good oh, return. No, 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 no. It'd be three quarters of a million. Well, if you got well, if you put uh uh if you'd bought a hundred shares, you'd have probably three or four hundred thousand dollars right now. So yeah. it went up multi it, it way went up. You're right, yes. I think they're talking right. about splitting it to make it easier for the average buyer to actually feel well, like they, they own a share. split it twice. It's had a yeah. five split and a three split. So, uh, but I did not buy enough. I, I, unfortunately I just, it kept going up and down and I just didn't want to take the risk. Yeah. Well, we also have the recession to look forward to in the next 12 to 18 months. So that should get you some bargain deals there maybe. with stock. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe an opportunity. Maybe. Yeah. yeah, the uh, I someone made the someone made an observation that I was reading about where they said that it like recessions are where people with capital buy yep. up stuff buy up things uh, on discount and then they just wait for it to go back up and then it blow then they they yep. sell it so like the the recessions are like the stock going low right. and like society is just like when it's on a high they sell it and it's just go you, like it's like a yeah. That's a sage observation. That's exactly the way it works. Those wealthy people buy when everybody's selling, then they sell when everybody's buying. You got that yeah. right. So. Yeah, it's uh, so worth worth watching what they do, I guess. But then yeah. at the same time, you know, most people aren't in a position to uh, take advantage of it. Yeah. The the do you think that the five like the the amount of money that people had to put in to hold their car was a part of Tesla's success in the sense that they had more capital to roll with? I believe that. Yeah. I would say that would be, that'd be a pretty honest assessment. Yeah. They had a, a, a pretty secure cash, cash flow position. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done that with a lot of things. They sure have. And it's been successful. It's really smart because it's, it's a basically free money with no interest on it. Yep. And they also have bank. exact demand numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, they're not rolling the dice to see if somebody's going to buy what they offer. Mm-hmm. Everything they produce, they sold. So. Yeah. And then, uh, tell me about JB Strabble. JB Strabble, uh, was yeah. their chief technology officer and he developed, or he, he built the, uh, a, a Porsche, an electric Porsche. And he really developed the engineering for the Roadster. And, uh, so he had left Tesla and the company I work for, we basically had hacked the Tesla model S computer program. And we have a battery controller and those lithium ion batteries with the electronic battery management systems do not activate unless they are inside the computer of the car. So we developed a, a, a basically a small computer box controller that spoofed the car. So JB Straubel, uh ordered one of our controllers, and I saw his name. You know, my ears turned red, and I'm all excited. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, I don't know if this guy's gonna copy the product or what he's getting into our business. And so I wouldn't ship it. And I just sat on the order. I said, I don't know. And by God, he started emailing and I got uh, a chance to uh, have, you know, half a dozen emails back and forth 
with JB Straubel and he ended up sharing stuff with us. We, we talked about a lot of things and, um, we sent him the product and he hired one of our employees. So it was kind of cool. So he's at Redwood materials, which is in Carson city, Nevada. And they're doing, uh, uh, basically a recovery or recycling of the, uh, car batteries and lithium batteries, removing the precious metals and some of the chemicals. So there is some, uh, there is some recycling going on with the batteries right now. What, what is the benefit of spoofing to, to do that mechanism to spoof, just to reuse the batteries for other things? Yeah. Yeah. And they are, and that's a very big issue in that none of these automakers and anybody that is working with these cars, they don't want to get up their programming. They are extremely protective of it. So that's where the term hacking comes in. Mm -hmm. So you have to have uh, a computer area network sniffer. So you go in and you, you have a adapter port and you read the computer program as it's operating the car. And then you catch a, a particular CAN message. So if it's um, a computer message for the brakes, say it starts with a B. If it's a computer program that uh, runs the air conditioner, it starts with an AC or whatever. And then you capture the CAN message and you hack it out and you mm. take all the other messages out of it. And that's, uh, and it is, uh, it takes months and it takes several engineers. And that's basically what we, what we did or what, what the crew there did. I was not capable of doing that, but we did have the adapters and the sniffers and you would sit around all day and then try to see what messages you could read. And Tesla mm -hmm. got pretty smart with it. They're more advanced uh, 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 software and their systems have, double messages they have uh high speed messages they have a very sophisticated computer program so what would you use yeah what would you use them for the computer program no i mean um so you have the batteries you have this mechanism oh. to retool them for something else so then what would you use them for most of them go for solar most mm. of them people to buy um a, a solar battery is about a thousand dollars a kilowatt and with a salvage Tesla, you would, you would come in at about 500. So mm -hmm. the price was about half and they're very durable, obviously, because they're in an automobile and they're very high powerful. They're very dense. So, uh, we did solar, we did, um, one or two computer backups where they would buy, uh, a large group of batteries. And then if there was ever a power outage, they would have enough juice to keep their main computers going so and then, i saw quite a few of them what what makes the tesla battery special there are several things uh one that i key in on and a lot of people uh the first thing you would need to know the tesla battery is not a big battery it's thousands of small batteries mm -hmm. so it is uh, a round cylinder and tesla developed uh their battery in a cylinder, and there was already a lot of machinery and technology to make batteries in a cylinder, you know, because we've been making the little A's and C's and D's for all those years. 
So they smartly focused in on that. And then they fine-tuned it in that you take this material and you 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 put the the can anode and the cathode or the, the battery material on a strip. Mm-hmm. And for a long time you had to use solvents. But when you had to use solvents, the battery had to air out the solvents. Well, Tesla uh, developed how you could do that mechanism dry and that you could roll out these strips and roll up a battery in a rapid fashion with no harmful chemicals and they can mass produce batteries better than anybody on earth right now. They can absolutely crank out. And it's, in the end, it's uh, a whole lot of our renewable energy picture is going to be about batteries. So that's, that's their, that's their, their big advantage. And then they know they have tweaked it. They just, they know how to make a very dense energy cell. So mm-hmm. they're good yep. at it. I think I was watching a Shark Tank episode where Mark Cuban said that Tesla was like Tesla cars were basically just proving the market for Tesla batteries. So ba- batteries yep. are actually their 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 uh, special sauce. Uh, you got it. This, that is, and that's actually the point of the whole book and what I I write. In the end, it's all about the battery. Mm-hmm. And batteries are going to be uh, everywhere within fifty years. I'm sure. I. Uh, this is more of those like facts and fictions. I don't know if you ever like watch Ripley's Believe It or Not, but yeah. some somewhere on the internet they said that if you submerge a Tesla car or whatever in water, the batteries explode. Is this real? Is this fact or fiction? No, unless they ground fault it. Mm. But now they have an entire system of fuses, and they have a giant. Uh, I, I don't think that would happen. No, they mm. have uh, greatly advanced that battery now. But if it if it is live and it creates a fault and all that energy goes out, I mean you you you've got a lot of energy. So, so uh, they fuse them quite a bit now, so it's pretty safe. Hmm. What would it take to have a Tesla battery explode? Well, what originally happened with the uh, batteries basically was a cell would go bad. It would create a defective area. And the battery, it would be on the battery charger and the battery, they would keep pumping energy into mm. a area that, that couldn't handle it. And it would top out and then it would fuse over to another cell. And then the other thing is the, the chemical compound generates its own oxygen. So it makes a uh, sort of internal feeding battery. Mm. But they have greatly improved it. So, uh, you know, you hear a little bit about it uh, from other devices, but generally almost, it's almost always uh, they've overcharged them. It's too much energy. Do you, do you stay up with like the Tesla shareholder meetings where they talk about the different advancements? I, I actually mm-hmm. enjoy them because they're so yeah, well done. Yeah, they're like Apple yeah. ones where they talk yeah, about the details really well. I went to, I, we watched them for years and that was a, uh, a quarterly ritual. We would stop work and we would put it on a big screen and watch it. And I did watch, uh, the last one, uh, where he talked about the, and they actually were pretty honest about lowering costs of production and removing some of the precious metals. And in a nutshell, uh, 
they are gaining capabilities that's going to lower the cost of producing the car. And uh, if they eliminate precious metals out of the motor system, uh, that's a big hindrance as well and, and still get a very efficient motor. So kind of they flashed a card uh, that uh, unless you were listening, you probably wouldn't have heard it, but they basically said, the cost of producing this cars is going to continue to go down. And you, and it's kind of like Apple. Mm -hmm. Apple kept getting a better and better iPhone and it all, and they were getting more money out of it. And they kept making them. They actually started having it where they were producing it cheaper. And mm -hmm. that's when you got a business when you can make your product better at a lower cost and charge more for it. But, uh, yeah. That was my takeaway from the last shareholders meeting. Yeah, the uh, people have used Tesla's model of making the Roadster an expensive premium product for a, like a yeah. small segment of people, and then they uh, making a, 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 a cheaper product for a large number of people. Like that, that that process. They I've ha I've heard that the phraseology and that process being discussed in so many different industries now, like agriculture, people yeah. growing stuff in labs or vertical farming or uh, even mushroom uh, culturing. Like mm -hmm. it's 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 all over the place. So it's it's kind of neat. I don't think that they invented or pioneered this idea, but it is neat to see more people use. Because most people think I have to make, I have to spend $5 million to make something that's like a nickel when the, yeah. like a premium product's like a hundred bucks. Like sell yep. it for a nickel when the premium product's for a hundred bucks. So why not sell it for a hundred, why spend $5 million to make the hundred dollar yeah. thing and make so much more money than maybe making something that's a nickel. Like that, like it's like a they, weird, weird priority. They, they did it. And now they're, they're drifting the other way. Now I wrote in the, book i wrote a little bit about honda which mm. my my flip my flip on your conversation is honda did it the opposite mm. they put a motorcycle engine in the little civic in the 70s late 60s and they came into the market at the very bottom and you know they had the, they had the lowest price car they could get and i kind of write that in the book i'm like boy, the doors open for a very low cost vehicle because they are all, everybody is now hunkering on that luxury and high end market for EVs. But I don't know how big that pond is. How many people can afford a hundred thousand dollar vehicle? Mm -hmm. uh, but you know that, that that's what they did. There's a, a, a new push in rural America for people to ship over these Japanese little trucks. They're like the cutest yeah. little things, yeah. Yeah. but the safety ratings are terrible. You'll die in those things if you, if you get hit or, you know, anything, but they're, they're cheap. It's like a couple grand yep. and uh, they'll work. They'll even have like a little, uh, little lift back bed thing. Stuff. Thank you. Lift bed. Yep. And uh, so people are, people are open to cheap, but it's like the trade-off. There's a reason why it's cheap. Like it's not as safe. Like those things yeah. are like tin cans. If you're rolling uh, hay bales down your, gravel road i mean that's one thing but yeah being on a highway and uh yeah you're gonna need a pretty safe vehicle but they they uh in china they don't they don't regulate a whole lot of the stuff they have uh a whole lot of little vehicles and things that are not much more than a skeleton frame and and a motor and a steering mm -hmm. wheel no speedometer a, a, a pair a brake and accelerator and a steering wheel mm -hmm. so but yeah I hear you. Now, I, uh, there are a couple of uh, little American companies that are kind of diddling in uh, an electric pickup and that kind of concept. So, yeah, I, I like uh, Ford's 
version of the electric truck looks much nicer than the Cybertruck. But I think the Cybertruck's designed to look weird. It's one of those things where I think the idea is to make it look just ugly enough where it makes you want to talk about it. Where the Ford truck, it, it just feels like an electric American car uh, truck. That's, that's, you're it right. looks pretty that, cool. You are, you're, you are, when you, if you, is app, uh, PC and Mac. Apple and Android or whatever. Yeah. They're two different mindsets. Now we did, that was one of, that was the biggest podcast or web show I was ever on was the cyber truck debacle. And, uh, this guy, Mr. Rickard was a magazine editor and he knew he watched that investors meeting when, when they broke the windows, you know, do you remember that a little mm -hmm. bit? Okay. Yeah. Well, I watched it. Well, anyhow, that that uh ball hadn't rolled off the stage and we had the camera set up so he knew he because he had been a magazine editor he knew to uh scoop that and uh we went in and did uh a a, a show and made banter out of it and uh it, it ended up getting a lot of views and my take on the cyber truck was something that a lot of people don't think about is it uses sheet technology. It uses XY and hmm. a tremendous cost in automotive manufacturing is the metal forming, the forming of the fenders and the pressing of, of a, a truck bread is, is a very expensive process and their ability to cut out flat sheets uh, eliminates uh, a lot of that. So, That's that was, interesting. They're exoskeleton. Yeah, it's a little different vehicle. But yeah, I would not call it, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't call it uh, a beauty in sheet metal. I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a beast of some kind, but it'd probably be successful. It's going to be down there in Texas. So mm -hmm. I like trucks there. So it's a bit of an eyesore, but yeah, it, from the specs, it seems like it, it'll be good. Yeah. Uh, the, um, uh, going back to the shareholder meeting, I think in the last one they talked about how, and you mentioned this a minute ago, that they're getting rare earth metals out of it. I think mm -hmm. they were saying, if it, you, uh, hopefully you'll correct me on this, the, that it was the, the drivetrain in particular, they were making it without magnets or rare earth metals. It was like the first type. Mm -hmm. Like No one's ever been able to figure out how to make uh, uh. something this complicated doing this type of uh, thing. I don't understand drivetrains. I just know that, that it, you know, it spins things and it's uh, effective. It actually... Uh is an enhanced electromagnetic system. Uh, and it, it, you know how a magnet fills, it goes positive, negative, And if you mm -hmm. put the ends together, well, their, their motor is actually three poles that switch that very fast. And then the internal armature is magnetized. And, uh, uh, so they're, um, uh, th they make it high grade with these extra magnets, which enhances the magnetic field with these other metals or the polarizations or whatever. And they somehow have developed an artificial process to duplicate what occurs naturally in the, whatever it is, neodymium or whatever the, the materials that they have. So, uh, but they enhance both the battery chemistry and the motor chemistry with precious metals that makes it a more stable uh, composition or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a big deal. That, that crashed uh, 
some of the battery stocks and some of these uh, funds that held uh, precious metal holdings. That was kind of an earth shaker. And I'll tell you what else they, they, that um, accepting Ford and General Motors into their charging network. Mm-hmm. If you saw that over the last yeah. few weeks, that crashed a lot of charging stocks too. There were several companies that had, were heavily invested in trying to build a charge network. And uh, if Tesla's going to fill that space, that, that, that was a game changer for two or three companies. No, I was just saying that's how big Tesla's become. Mm-hmm. They're shaking the tree now. I mean, they shook the, 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 the funding for uh, battery suppliers. And now they've, they've shaken the tree on uh, the charging companies. They're moving other things in the stock just mm-hmm. by words, they say, you know, well, I, I was reading that the I think it's the drivetrain has the is one of the highest resale values of Tesla products and that people like to take the drivetrain and like add it to other things like modding and other cars or when they do rebuilds. Have you have you heard of this? We've done it. I've done okay. I've been a part of several of them and I would not call it an easy proposition. Mm. And uh I I'll sort of give you the scenario. Uh we 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 would buy the wreck Teslas or we would buy parts of the salvage and you would buy a sub clip. But the, after you hacked into it and got it to respond to your own software, like say on an accelerator, it was very difficult to control. So we had to develop with another company, a slip differential because it didn't, we didn't have the sensitivity that Tesla had with their proprietary computer system. So when you touch the accelerator, it went from zero to 60 in like 0.5 seconds. I mean, it just, and it, it spin and broke things. And I have a, a short story, a page in the book where we did a Tesla drivetrain and the guy ripped the CV joints out of the, the uh, vehicle because it transferred this power and the speed so fast to the drivetrain, but they're doing it and it's a hot rod industry, but I'm telling you, it is no trivial task to control a Tesla drivetrain. I'm talking something that, uh, we would fiddle with for five, six, eight days. I mean, it's hmm. not something, none of this stuff you can take out of the car and plug it in. You got to have a a a a, minor, a a double E electrical engineer and uh, bench testing and control because everything transfers really into a code line. So you to to accelerate, you increase amperage and you increase voltage. Well, that's all a mathematical formula of how you know it releases, and it's. Uh, it's sophisticated. Now there are, there's quite a few of the bills out. I mean, so, and we, we sold them. We actually had them on the, on the, uh, website and we had purchased them and, uh, sold them retail to car builders and ended up, we took it down because the, <laughs> the last one we sold was about a six week project. And it was just, it was, it, it, there was no, it was, it, 
if you were an individual and you wanted it, that's one thing, but as a mm. business to, to, you know, to spend, put two and 300 labor hours into something that just, there wasn't a financial return on it. But yeah. there's a few guys in California getting a little closer. So what, how much has someone ever paid for like, uh, I don't, I think of it, uh, as like jailbreaking a system. A jailbreak in a, a drivetrain. No, well, how, how much do people pay? So the end result of the drivetrain being able to be applied to other things as oh. after you're done working out for six weeks, how much has someone paid for just that? $16,000. Like we sold them retail, $16,000, $17,000. Hmm. So, and they got a little bit of parts with that, maybe a, 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 a foot pedal. <laughs> that was about it. And man, the last one we sold, they showed up and we still all worked on it together. And they're like, we're not taking this thing until that motor moves. And we had, uh, we worked on it all week and came in on a Saturday to get it going. So it is no trivial process, but now they have, there's a learning curve to it. And we were kind of early pioneers. So I think now they have, uh, sort of have a hijack control board and a little bit more hack software. So. It's gotten a little bit better, but you know, this was five, six years ago. What makes the Tesla drive train that is assume electric better and more efficient than like a car diesel powered drive train? It's just the, the instantaneous of the electricity with the magnets making it so fast. All sorts of things. We'll just go through a whole list. One is it has a magnitude of 30 less parts. It has mm. a unigear as one single gear drive. So that means you would control all of your uh, speed. Everything is simply controlled by a ratio of voltage and amperage. Uh, it, it doesn't have a reverse gear. You simply reverse the motor. And mm. the, the complexity of, if you looked at like a uh, Suburban, the drivetrain alone is 5,000 parts. The transmission is six gears to make it smoothly accelerate and to maintain power through that acceleration. It has sensors and, and, and all different kinds of things that require parts and maintenance. And the electric drive motor just completely eliminates that. And they, uh, they look like we, I took them apart and looked at them two or three times and they're just, they're like on some super smooth ball bearings. And it really looks like a, um, a little bit bigger than a coffee can, a little bit longer piece of copper. And then around it is the wound magnet, basically. So it's, it's a very simple, it's a very simple device and it's very powerful. And now the other thing about Tesla, just so you're talking about it, they do the um, over the air updates. Mm -hmm. So I had a Tesla three for uh, several years. And then you get a call from the, the car would get a call from Tesla and they'd say, we're going to do a software update. Well, Tesla could take all the data from all the cars that are in, in operations they could bring that data back mm -hmm. and then they could make decisions about it. So they could say, you know, at 57 miles an hour, 
the amperage needs to be 32.4 instead of 29.8. I mean, mm-hmm. they just have kept tweaking it and tweaking it and tweaking it to a point of, of optimization, basically. So, yeah, well, that's... Yeah, the one thing that I've really enjoyed about Elon, as much as people on the internet like to give him crap nowadays, is his design minimalism when it comes to mm-hmm. SpaceX or Tesla. Yeah, he 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 quotes or he cites a, a French philosopher yeah. from the 1600s, but the basic idea is, uh, if if delete it and see if you need it, and see, right. <laughs> and what? it's like I kind of like that. It's like I can I can DIY an MVP and it'll look like it'll look like Dr. Seuss made it. But that's not, it's like, okay, that's neat. Now, how could I make it something so simple that it looks like just a coffee can with a ball bearing in it? Like, that's kind of beautiful. That's elegant. And this, uh, uh, and he was fanatical about that. We were really following him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was following him hard, you know, probably in that, oh, 2012 to 2018 time range. And there were a lot of stories that, you know, he was in the factory sleeping. And, you know, you'd get these kind of back channel conversations. He's like, why is that machine over there when it, that part is needed over here then? And he would, uh, he'd stop the factory and he would go and unbolt stuff and put everything in order. So there was a high degree of efficiency Hmm. and that mindset, uh, uh, is, is big. I mean, that's, 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 they are gaining they are gaining in the assembly and now they have uh, the gigapress and the components of car assembly where they snap together almost a complete car in about four or five steps. I mean, they, they, they've, they've changed it. And that's, um, that's somewhat, I mean, that's kind of their, their threat or their um, intimidation on Detroit, which makes, you know, some, fairly complex they're all cool vehicles everybody loves them i mean i'm i'm all for them but they're pretty complex to put together detroit as in uh like an automotive manufacturing center yeah basically yeah he's he's um uh for example uh the framing and stuff the gigapress the front half of the car and the back half of the car they don't bolt together all that extra framing weld points and they make it all one solid piece. And then the solid piece is also preset to take on the body panels. Hmm. They put the two ends together, the drivetrain, the center of the car and the two sides. And they basically have a 90% of the car built. So, and that was in that little bit of that was in the last investors meeting. Mm-hmm. If, if you kind of parse through it, they do sort of talk about that. Now I follow a couple of the off, off, uh, you know, little podcasters and shows that talk a little bit about their engineering. So there's a few shows out there that do that. Yeah. I like the, there's one that will break apart. They'll, they'll buy a really expensive yeah. car and then they, they tear it all apart yeah. and see, and they talk about the manufacturing of the bolts and stuff. They were comparing it to ribbon, which yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of ribbon because apparently they, they stole a lot from Tesla as they were leaving, which I think is unfair, but, uh, well, lucid <laughs> lucid's all Tesla too. So, mm. yeah, uh, but, I've seen ribbons, but the apparently like ribbons are as if 
an old like an old style thinking engineer was trying to design something like a Tesla versus like a Tesla engineer designing something like a Tesla. So like even in the I was watching this YouTube video about it and they have like weird bolt like like a fastening points and stuff that it's not it's like they would make the shell like a Tesla would make it visually, but then underneath the hood they'd have much more like riveting stuff that need to be done. So they have the efficiency of having it done in one go, but then they ruin the efficiency by having a process that requires more steps. So it's like it's like like they had an old Old, new mentality but the new yeah. was kind of like service level even though they had all the information but yeah there's a youtube out there they break down like the battery packs they rip that all the stuff apart it's pretty cool yeah, i like did, how detailed people get uh uh we did the uh, first model three tear now so uh the model three came out in 2018 and we watched and as soon as the first wreck came up we bought it within a couple months and yes, there is a huge appetite for people watching a Tesla or any electric vehicle get torn apart. And some of those people get paid to do that. Mm-hmm. We did not get paid, but uh, uh, yeah, taking things apart, I guess, is just the manly thing to do. <laughs> so, yeah, then you have the whole, a whole room full of parts and uh, we, we uh, tore it apart. Now they really, uh, uh, they have really changed their battery pack. So mm-hmm. it is not very user. It's not very recyclably uh, friendly now. It is. Uh, it has to remain really in a high voltage pack. Uh, if you try to break out the modules, they're in these really odd voltages, like 90 and 98. And the, 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 the positive and negative are on the, the opposite ends. Uh, so it's hard to wire it's hard to hard to mess with and then the, now the later versions they're um filling in with structural foam or whatever mm-hmm. they have the bigger battery and then it's it's all structured together so if you had to work on that battery you're going to have to drill through stuff almost to find it so but yeah that's a big business I, but i can't I, it'd be hard for me to saw a part of hundred thousand dollar vehicle but they get paid the one guy that does it that sandy monroe i don't know if you ever heard of him but he gets paid by the automakers and they do everything they measure how how many wires they have oh that's another thing came out of the the tesla shareholders they want to go to a 48 volt subgroup so we normally run everything in auto automobile uh on 12 volt systems What's the number one failure item on a Tesla? You know what it is? The 12-volt battery. <laughs> hmm. The car battery they put in it. So anyhow, uh, in electric vehicles, you have to drive the other systems at a much lower voltage. So they have converters and um, taking 360 volts down to 12 volts. It's kind of hard. So they're going to change over... 248 volt. So they're basically their operating system is going to be 48 volt. And that would be another example. When you go to higher uh, voltage, you go to lower amperage. And when you go to lower amperage, you can use smaller wires. Hmm. Again, they're going to reduce some costing. And that's kind of what it gets down to. And that's what uh, you're talking about. Well, this is a four foot wire and it costs a dollar forty-two, and now it's going to cost a dollar twelve. I mean, they're they're down to 
cutting the pennies out of uh, everything they produce. So, mm-hmm. but that's a big deal. There's a, I had an idea for a product you might like. I saw this, uh, people do this thing where they take their old phones and they disassemble it and then make like this drawing of how the parts come together. And it's a yeah. lot of, so you get like the fun of taking some apart, but also like the the science of like how everything works yeah. together. They're really cool. I'll send you a link to them. Okay. I think you, as someone who, you know, enjoys taking things apart, all my old, yeah. all my old phones, I'm getting the little uh, screwdriver stuff so I can do that. Cause it, I, it looks, it looks like a lot of fun. So uh, yeah. I think it might be something you enjoy as well. I'll do that. Yeah. And then you can see if you can get anything to power up. I got a little, you got little meters and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did, uh, uh, we had a couple boards, uh, printed circuit boards that we had bought out of China. And uh, uh, they were a lot of fun to deal with. And you would have to communicate with them and try to, you know, turn it basically, it turns things on and off based mm-hmm. on a parameter that you send it. But yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. And then um, I wanted to circle back uh, on a couple points we made over the last few minutes, but, um, why so with the other automator makers and how they were really bullish and you know competitors to what tesla's doing what is the value in allowing them on to the tesla market for the renewal because i think like most teslas it's free for them so then don't they have to add like a chart like a payment system it's only free for the first groupings of the model Mm. s purchases so some of the original people got uh lifetime charging but that was the first few years. So everybody else is paying for it. Okay. Basically, it has a couple of things. The secret sauce all along to Tesla was they had a nationwide charging network. Nobody really got that. I made several statements to that effect. And I kept barbing and poking at Detroit saying, you know, you can build a great car, but if you can't drive it from here to Kansas city without having, if you got to stop and plug in and it takes six hours to charge, people aren't, are going to figure that out. Tesla has all through the Midwest and an entire web of charging stations. Now, mm-hmm. now Detroit and, uh, really thought that these other companies were going to put together a charge network, but they floundered and they never did. So if you went out and I traveled with the model three and took trips, uh, chargers wouldn't always work. You would go, there'd be people parked there. It just wasn't a system. The Tesla Mm -hmm. is a system. So Detroit finally capitulated basically. And they're only, they're going to get an adapter to begin with. And they're going to have access to about half of them. But when they fuel up, they're going to be paying Tesla. Hmm. Well, Tesla stock jumped $35 a share on that news. Uh, And Tesla, and that's one of the reasons they value it so high. Not only is a car company, it's going to be the the gas station company too. And people, you know, they're slow on the uptake, but nobody's getting the magnitude of what we spend on fuel. And as, as this market, if it cascades over into a large amount of electric vehicles and Tesla's got by de facto, the North American charging standard, uh, their revenue stream is going to be huge. And it mm-hmm. doesn't, it's not going to cost them anything. They're just going to sell electricity. There's some, there's some 
I call it a tsunami. That's 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 a big one. Mm-hmm. It may be the biggest one this year, probably. And it all goes into their pockets versus uh, every other automaker. You know, there's literally yeah. you know Chevron or whatever that's that's making you that money. It. The so if 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 it's like twenty bucks to fill up a tank of gas and I can go like two hundred miles, I think I can go like two hundred fifty miles on a, t- a tank of gas, and it's like twenty bucks or something like that. These are like hard numbers. I haven't done this. Uh, I haven't filled up my okay. gas. I don't travel all that much. Like my gas requirements, know. but how much? I think the battery packs now. I don't keep it to like two hundred, unless like there's an easier metric for you to like answer this question. But how much would it cost to go the comparable of distance? Like people make fun of the fact that it takes a while to charge up, but in terms of the cost to go the distance, isn't electric much more efficient uh, compared to gas? Much much more efficient. Six yeah. seven dollars. Six yeah. seven dollars to go to a supercharger, which I did, and I got them billed, and I had uh, I had a charge point account. I went also to charge point uh, only because. I wanted to investigate as a journalist and just mm-hmm. so I did charge points same way, six, seven dollars to fill up. Yeah. And now a lot of people, if you understand lithium battery fill ups, the first 80% takes eight, 10, 12 minutes, and the last 20% takes 30 minutes. So if you manage yourself well, you just fill up to the 80% point, you can fill up pretty quickly and you know get a five dollar charge so what prevents it from what prevents that uh that dichotomy like what 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 allows that to happen uh you would think about it as let's say you were um in a bar and it had all kinds of tables and chairs so the first 50 people in the bar it was very easy to find tables and chairs and sit down Mm -hmm. Okay. The next 50 have to do a little bit of work, but the last 50, they get in a crowded bar. They have to look for places to sit. So the um, electron matrix uh, has fills up and they have the electrons have to find a place to park to be held for the storage. So that's basically it. So the last, the last electrons have to do a little bit more work. Hmm. Is Do you, is lithium ion the best base to build a battery off of, or are there other elements that would be better? In now, your opinion? Lithium ion is far and away the runaway winner. Uh, we had this discussion for years. Uh, we bought other technologies and <clears throat> nothing is at least in a cost effective manner, even close. So mm. it's, it's going to be lithium. Uh, and I believe that decision has been made, uh, and they may improve it some, uh, but it's going to be lithium. So is it, is it a, is it a limited resource or is it, can we get as much as we want? As much as we want. It's all the entire country of Afghanistan is lithium. Basically Mm. China's got a bunch of it. There's a bunch in South America, uh, and we have pretty good reserves here in the U S so. Is it possible to make synthetic lithium? No, not that I'm aware of. No, mm. never heard yeah, of that. Because th- those regions don't seem to be like in America all that much nowadays. So it'd be nice if you we know, could uh, divest yeah, them. That, that's exactly what I wrote in the book. I'm like, these are two areas, China and Afghanistan. There's a few spots on earth that aren't so hip on the U.S. Mm. And neither is the Middle East with oil for that matter. So uh, uh, kind of in, 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 when I talk about renewables, 
the the one of the blogs that I had written, and I, it it does kind of set the country free. If we can get self-derived batteries and we can get self-derived energy, uh, it's going to be very stabilizing for the U.S. Mm-hmm. But we uh, so we need it. So yeah, I think um, there's there, well talking about oil in the U.S. I think like 10, 20 years ago, no one would have thought that the U.S. could be a net exporter of oil. Yeah. And and then some people have been like, well, why don't we tap more? And then, you know, you know, really control the market. It's like, I really like the idea of taking all the available easily to get oil from every other place on the on the world and then yeah. leaving ours for the last. Then, then ours will be a premium. You know, we, let's let's let let's get the cheap stuff from everyone else. You know, actually, that is not a new idea. Yeah, I mean, mm. I know you're young. That's basically what they said in the 70s, mm. the same thing. With OPEC? Uh, and, with everybody, the, mm. the, what was called conventional wisdom. And, and the old statement was the last oil supply on earth is going to control the planet. Yeah. Basically the same thing you said, let's get everybody else's oil. And, um, but the electric vehicle and the battery is a game changer. And that, uh, it, it does. If we, we, once we get self-derived, renewable energy then you know we don't have anything else to worry about they're not they're not there's not gonna be anything to do Hmm. and 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 if you break it down to a homeowner uh homeowners that get their own energy are pretty darn free too so and we okay we had a we had an off-grid facility so we did not have any um uh any utility bills we we netted back we sent and we had uh, no fuel bills for several years we drove all our vehicles on sunshine so. do you do you like the i think it's tesla city like their their packs that they're putting into houses yeah yeah they uh um uh they have a wall system it's a backup it's fairly small uh and then now the tesla city which is something that I, I, I write about, which I don't call it. I just call it a smart neighborhood is actually uh, a pretty, pretty advanced concept. And that's really the way it's going in that not every house is going to put solar. Not every house is going to run a micro power plant, which in effect is if you go off grid and you isolate your system, you are in effect running a, a micro grid. But if you had a neighborhood and they had an optimal place for a solar array and you could capitalize the large inverters and enough battery storage, and then you could smartly interact with the homes, that's probably the advance that is really going to work. The city, the Tesla city, the, the small solar hubs that power multiple buildings. Mm-hmm. I think it fits within a, a larger structure. I've been thinking for some time that the, I think they were called victory gardens in the forties yeah. when we were going yeah. to war with the the Nazis and the Japanese, where people would have a center that there'd be a place where everyone could go. Yeah. And even modern, modern uh, urban design and, and city planning says that, like, you need a certain amount of green and, and parks yeah. within, like you have to be like within 300 yeah. feet of a park or else like people get like really crazy. And That's so true. it seems like, 
there there's a way to decentralize and allow there to be these little nucleuses for different communities that would bring people together give them the renewables that they need give them the independence that they would desire and also like save money at the you know save money at the same time mm-hmm. so i i like this i like the synergy synergy of going back to an old uh, an old model that w- was true then that could be true now you absolutely nailed it i couldn't have said it better myself you got it the the urban centers population centers that could have a centralized solar hub. The solar rays could provide shade. You would have a little more biodiversity. And you, you, if, if, once you have an exchangeable battery program, mm-hmm. whether it's a small battery or the battery in the car, uh, you could have people that could come out of energy po- poverty and be energy free. You got mm-hmm. it. And that's, that's, that's the goal. And that's what really, uh, these forward thinking people need to start discussing, which is is, is a centralized, a a lifestyle that centers around a hub, a solar hub or a, Mm -hmm. a, um, um, a renewable source. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with the how outdated our energy system is in the United States, where you have like brownouts and dark zones and stuff. I have a, I, I, I won't say where I live, but I have, I have like a, I'll say I will have, I have an off grid battery system for where I live. So if, if power goes down, I get to plug into it. And then my neighbors are like, why does he get to watch TV? It's it's a great feeling. I know it's like kind of a silly thing, but I I like it a lot when like, I don't like a lot when the power goes out, usually during the winter or whatever, but when it does happen and your stuff keeps working, it's a fun experience, but I I, I would like that as well for the added insulation layer of instead of being centralized where there's these all these failure points that seems to happen yes. we could be just uh, decentralized where like e- even you communities could help each other and feed each other out well you know that again that is exactly right the yeah. uh the grid for all your listeners that is the largest mechanical machinery on planet earth is the eastern u.s grid uh and the amount of power losses that go into that through resistance and transporting energy, nobody knows. And if you isolate it, if you cut the cord, broke broke the grid up, we would have a tremendous energy gain. And the way you do that will be with the large battery bank reserves and portable batteries and stuff. But yeah, you, it, you you nailed it. The I forget what they're called. I think maybe they're capacitors or something. There, but every now and again, there's like a little. Uh, piece of land that has a bunch of uh, kind of like battery looking things It's for yeah. when things like blow up or something. Apparently that's 90% of the cost, but that, I was reading you that like 15 it. years ago. You need to understand that the electrical grid system is somewhat pressurized, very similar mm-hmm. to like a water system would be. So they keep it under pressure to deliver electricity. However, when that electricity flows and, and, and the time that it's needed, there's some spacing in there and they have to have something that holds that electricity or does something with that charge to keep their system in balance. So all those systems are, are uh, all these little substations are all over the U S and what it really amounts to is they're pumping a lot of power into that grid to keep it up. And uh, it is a huge engineering mechanical device a machinery of and and i don't and i write this in a book and i'll t- i don't think anybody really knows 
exactly what's going on. They just know it works. And I think they're very, I think they're afraid of some of this stuff, you know, getting is, broke up. So is there a country on the planet that has like, who, who has the best energy grid? Is there one that's not reigning supreme? Mm, I would, uh, probably some of the Northern European countries, mm. Norway, which has a, which has a high, uh, generation of steam electrical power. And, um, um, I know Israel is pretty energy efficient and they, they, they have, uh, a pretty strong solar presence. So there's, and then they're very, a very isolated, small grid. So there's a few, you know, uh, um, and the one point that I make in the book, and I, you know, if we're going to move into that area is this breaking up of the grid could be broken up by solar trains. So if you had large batteries on a train system, you wouldn't have those transmission lines. You, you wouldn't have the grid. You could simply drive the solar filled batteries from Arizona you could go to the Chicago point where that grid is isolated, plug it in, and then have your solar power transported right there. So, hmm. uh, and that's kind of what I see in the future. The the uh, uh, and I, I I did a research book which was called The Grid. Obviously, uh, one of the books I did when I when I wrote my book, and uh, it is the legalese of getting across people's property and the long-term value and the uh, 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 obstacles, uh, we're never, we're never going to get to a, a complex high voltage grid in much of the U S it's all, it's just, it's, it would just, it would take forever. So that's why I do like better comes in. Yeah, I do like the idea of, you know, uh, Chicago goes down for whatever reason, and you can just bring a train in as a lifeblood to keep it alive, considering Chicago was, uh, it, Chicago beat out Milwaukee and other lo uh, different cities based on trains. It'd be kind yeah. of a nice symmetry yeah. there. You got That'd everything cool. in place. I bet you're so young, you're going to see it in your lifetime. You write that, Dad. If I'll make a prediction, you will see some large solar battery trains pull into Chicago mm -hmm. before you're done. So, uh, you don't have enough solar. You're too, you're too high up in latitude mm. and your angle is not that good. So, um, uh, you're going to be much better off bringing it in from somewhere else. It'd be a whole lot cheaper to have a battery train than it would be to build a giant solar array. So does the, does the type of train in terms of the speed effect like if it was like a hypersonic one was like the ones in japan would that at all be a slow train it wouldn't matter you would have mm. it all you know and that's one of the things that i write in the book and i talk about which is the coal trains that come out of uh wyoming so mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize this wyoming has very low sulfur coal so all the power plants that are near urban centers they don't like that smell environmentalists complain about it so what they do is is they import coal coal from wyoming so literally every day an entire grouping of coal filled trains drive from wyoming all the way to say knoxville tennessee they empty their coal out and they turn around and go right back so hmm. that the entire system is already in place and instead of having coal on the train 
just have batteries. I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's a pretty much, it's a no brainer fix, but yeah, we are transporting energy and that's, you know, that's a big point. We're transporting electricity all over the place. So we're, 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 we're driving coal 2,200 miles and they're making electricity and it taps into uh, that coal plant may tap into the grid and then they move it, its electricity six or 800 miles away too. It's just a, uh, it's a highly inefficient system, what we're mm-hmm. under right now. Now it works, well, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it works if it's yeah. Texas went down recently, but the, uh, would, it would also be more space efficient. So you'd have less cars, right? Cause you could get more power. You, got you, know, you need a lot more coal to generate power than you would just a battery right. full up of power, I think. Right? right. That was just a, that's an assumption. I, I haven't done the numbers. And it's ready to use and it's clean. Hmm. Well, that would be the, you know, if you want to go to the last part of the scenario, uh, we're pumping uh, uh, toxic material and particulate matter into our atmosphere at an astronomical rate. So a lot of people, you know, you, you hear these alarmists, you know, the climate people and world leaders. Okay. And what our media does is they parse out a very small soundbite and they never explain it in -hmm. context. They don't allow the people to explain it and they don't allow a lot of things to be explained, but uh, think about this. There's 3 billion internal combustion engines on the planet. How many do you think are being driven at any given time? So let's, yeah. let's pick a number. Let's say 300 million. Well, what that means is out of those tailpipes, not only is a cubic foot of gas coming out every second, but there's also small particulate matters that are coming out. So, when you do the math, let's say it's a hundred thousand pounds of particulate every second. That's a million pounds every ten seconds. That stuff's going somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- what th- if we continue to develop internal combustion engines, and the rest of the world is hungry for that? Africa, South America, India. The Middle East, they all want to drive cars. Driving a car is nice. So if we continue to add to that mathematics, we're going to continue to pour uh, stuff into our environment one way or another. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a very valid point. It's not about science. It's about math. And uh, inside of uh, uh, your gas, gas fumes are uh, uh, unspent fuel. There's uh, mercury, lead, sulfur, uh, a few other chemicals I can't pronounce. It's going somewhere, and it's going somewhere on a pretty large scale. So that's why you hear these. Now I'm not, I don't make predictions, and I don't say, you know, I, I, I'm not even really you know, uh, uh, too much of an alarmist, but I would say everybody would need to be aware of it because mm-hmm. especially somebody in, in the younger age, you know, Basically, what's going to fix it is not having tailpipes. So <clears throat> that's where the yeah. electric vehicle comes in. So. Yeah, and you uh, eliminate people putting potatoes on them. 
That's what is yeah. sometimes done in the Midwest. For, you know, people are like, "Why people do that?" <laughs> do you ever? Do you remember the potato gun? Do you ever remember those things? Yeah, I made one. I had a potato gun, <laughs> so we had it at work, and uh, uh, we were all, everybody around was making these potato guns, and that thing would shoot a potato. We had a water tower near us. It'd shoot a potato all the way over that water tower. So then my buddy comes in and said, that's it for the potato guns. And he <laughs> was not paying attention. And he busted out the side of a car window. With it. <laughs> and it shattered the glass. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Heck, back in the day, you could put an afterburner in the 70s on the back of your tailpipe. And it'd blow like a flamethrower. Hmm. You know, when it had leaded gas and cars only got six miles to the gallon, guess where the the other half of the gasoline went at the tailpipe. So mm. you could, uh, you, you, you probably find it on old videos, but you could, you would yeah. put a little lighter thing back there and you could click it and it'd blow flames out the back. The uh, Since we're talking about the old days, I always wondered this. And so in the 70s show, it's a TV about TV show yeah. about the 70s, the 70s called the 70s show is you know, very circular, but they would go up to a water tower and sit on it and then like look at the sunset. Do people yeah. actually do that? You can't do it now. They yell at you. I tried. Yeah, no. I personally don't ever remember that. I mean, mm -hmm. I was there in the seventies. Now I certainly, uh, 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 we did a few crazy things though. We used to walk out on a train trestle. So there was a trestle that went over the Mississippi river. Mm-hmm. And it was not guarded and you could just simply get on the train track and you could walk directly out into the open with no guardrails, looking down, seeing the water on the Mississippi river. So they did, they had a few lax safety concerns back then, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had uh, lead and everything. It's like uh, microplastics nowadays. You're right. And I had, uh, and I make a big point of that, but you're exactly right. They had commercials on TV about people eating lead paint and mm -hmm. that whole thing came about they were mining silver mm. and they ended up with this byproduct lead well as they cleaned or processed the silver the lead spilled down into water tables and killed everything mm. and this was back way back in the 20s whatever so those geniuses figured out well we'll just take the lead and we'll put it in other products <laughs> and like it won't kill humans because it, it just killed all these thousands of fish in a river in Colorado. And they put it in uh, the only story I know about personal, well, a couple of them uh, people poke themselves with pencils. They put it in pencils. There was, there was blood poisoning from that. Um, they put it in wiring insulation. So like people would chew or, uh, mess around with a wire in their mouth, they'd get lead poisoning. Uh, it could migrate into the body and, and yeah, it was, yeah, I, I, I have personal stories from lead poisoning. So, hmm. yeah. well, um, a serious issue. Talking about something much more cleaner, uh, lithium ion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what a great transition, but yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to post this uh, idea to you. So if we imported an, enough lithium ion, to the United States and we were able to recycle it. Is there a point where we have a, enough lithium ion that we could just ignore the rest of the planet or does it, yeah. is it not as renewable? Yeah. Yeah. You could. Yeah. I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like sand, dude. I mean, there's a lot of it. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's uh, uh, 
fairly easy. They dig it up and then they isolate it in these shallow ponds and it dries out and they, they can create it. So it's almost, uh, it's, it's, it'd be almost like sand. So yeah, we'll be energy inter- in, independent. The U S is driving that way. And mm-hmm. actually that's probably why some of these energy policies and you hear some of the talk out of the, the government, they have the answers. So they can, they, they probably are a little more confident in, in being aggressive in their posture mm. because they, they basically, we know the technology works now. So, so, yeah. so yeah, it's, what do you, push, go, ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I said, it's, it's pushing people a little bit, but mm. you know, it's getting out of a comfort zone, but we have it right now to solve all our energy needs. No doubt yeah. about it. Well, uncomfortable now, but even cheaper later which you know that's pretty that's pretty powerful more money in our pockets and they now the 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 rest of the coin in relationship to the way government works is they get a lot of revenue from gas tax Mm. so i got cornered i i talked with a local city official and they were putting in the charging stations so i'm always budinsky and you know get out there and talk to people and they're like you realize we get a check you know they get they get that uh, tax revenue and it pays for the entire road crews it pays for vehicle maintenance it pays for employees and it, it's a huge revenue source so there's going to be some adjustment there mm-hmm. my my argument was then just uh control the energy you know make your own solar systems and sell the fuel as your revenue source so yeah, I think the other benefit is it. I think most gas stations, once it's once the place has been a gas station, you can't grow anything there. Like it really destroys the the, yeah. the value of the land. Yeah, you got to pay a environmental service the three or four hundred bucks to come out and dig a couple teaspoons out here and there and test it. You're exactly right. Yeah, it's, it's toxic. Oh. Yeah, so hopefully we won't have that problem. What do you um, what do you think about uh, onshore and the, there's like this recent-ish trend where people are taking from china and southeast asia and they're moving it to places like mexico or somewhere in america you know that would be a complex issue i'm not uh some of it is valid in that we are a very prosperous nation so Mm. uh having uh some distribution of our manufacturing stabilizes other parts of the world so you know I, I'm I'm uh, uh, I, I'm very much a patriotic, sovereign American. And I like that, but at the same time, uh, uh, we are on a globe with other people. So, you know, sharing some prosperity with them, I think, is a uh, proper way to do it. So, yeah. and it, 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 they got good jobs there. They don't want to come here. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of stabilizing. Yeah, I think the only caveat, but I think we're mostly on the same page on this, is that the as long as like they pay them and treat them in a fair way, like if there's like a, if we have any, if we have a domestic industry that has all the labor laws that we have, and then it's competing with a, another industry that can essentially pay slave labor type yeah. wages, like with cobalt mining, for instance, like how they just uh, treat people like slaves in that industry, then yeah. it's like it's it's an une- unequal. And I feel like. With business, you have to create an equal playing field, or else it's basically who who's who's willing to stomach being more evil. And they usually win. Well, uh, that is the way of the world, son. So yeah. you just you, uh, 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 those are 
almost societal issues. And mm. uh, we hope we all are moving forward and we hope the prosperity share is shared and that uh, future humans um, have a little more love in their heart, maybe. So yeah, I get past the greed part. Yeah. Mm. Would you ever short Tesla stock like Bill Gates? No, not at this point. Yeah. At least not. In, no, I would. And I'm not. I'm not a big Bill Gates fan. So mm. uh, he's a, he's a, a, a and the the prior owner, which did a lot of the internet stuff, wasn't a particularly Bill, Bill Gates fan. He's he's uh, has proposed several times nuclear or fusion reactors and stuff. And that is extremely dangerous. And uh, I would heartily remind people, uh, you know not what you wrought if you have a uh, widely dispersed amount of multiple nuclear facilities. And there was some catastrophic event and you have a, a radiation fallout that may contaminate the water supply of half the world or the food supply radiate people it's just way too dangerous mm. so you need it, to go renewable it does sound like another benefit of renewable is uh it, it doesn't prevent but incentivize non-nuclear uh, proliferation because if everyone had to use nuclear plants to power their stuff then well then everyone has the ability to potentially weaponize or like make uranium that is uh not good for people like dirty bombs but if we made yeah. uh if we templatized and made something really simple for people, you could export that to Africa or anyone else. They could yeah. have the benefits of it without having to go through like a century of like BS, like we went through over the last hundred years with gas. You're, and other right. Things. You're right. And that was a uh, benefit. I would be, that would be, you know, and I, I kind of, if you would ask me about dreams, mm -hmm. uh, dreams of uh, providing power to Africa, a very needy country, and allowing them to have re electric vehicles and things like that, you would you would you would be exactly right. That would be uh, uh, ultimately uh, you would want all humans to be in it to benefit all life on the planet. You got it. But I I, I can tell you that um, Africa, which I have contacts in Africa, and uh, uh, they still they are a very needy world. They are a needy country. So, and they're one of the ones that kind of when you talk about the environmental stuff, if they got churning out all gasoline cars over there, we'd have even more stuff in the atmosphere. So mm -hmm. it may be best to help them, but they're, they're, they're a rugged country, rugged yeah. world and in a lot of need there. And then um, talking about books, I know we're coming to the end. The, you have yours. Mm -hmm. um, what i mean i think this conversation is a encapsulation of what you'd get from the book but what other things do you would you want people to get out of reading your book and then you know if you could say the title for people who are just listening verities of an electric mule and i take uh real world experience in uh some of the early days of the ev adoption so i tell that story i talk a little bit about transportation energy the history of it and how simple it was a couple hundred years ago, how far we've come really in a couple hundred years. So it has a little bit of history. And then I also have uh, a little bit of climate change information. So you understand it, like my scenario, how much is coming out of tailpipes. Uh, I did a story on polar bears. So, mm. uh, and the bees, and then I give answers 
So I have uh, some of my product concepts, um, uh, the smart home, smart neighborhood, uh, how we can, on the micro level, uh, uh, change our relationship with energy. So the book is, is, is very concise. It covers a wide range and it, it, it goes from electric vehicles to climate change to solar. I tell a few jokes in there every once in a while. So I, I try to make it a little bit humorous. So mm-hmm. but it was and a very, very strong effort on my part. So is there a platform in particular that you want me to link to in the show notes to the book? Just my website, richardflingy.com. I do blogs so people can go and read part of the book for free, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, I, I sometimes do little short micro videos and stuff like that. So, and I do it. I I mean, um, I had a very unique experience. Uh, I was very fortunate for that. Uh, and, uh, uh, I was with a facility that had the money to really fund a lot of private research. So I like sharing that most people, Mm -hmm with my level of experience would be in a corporation. They probably had to sign non-disclosure agreements so they couldn't talk about it. So. Yeah. I hate I, NDAs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hate NDAs. Yeah. 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 NDAs. That's yeah. Yeah. And I've had one, I've had a couple sniff my way, but uh, I never, never quite signed the paperwork, but um, yeah, I haven't, uh, I haven't signed an NDA in like six years. Yeah. And, and as I was leaving the place, they had me sign an NDA as I was coming in. The They wanted me to sign an NDA as I was leaving. And I was like, not for the money you're, uh, you're offering me. <laughs> you guys did so many illegal things. Like, no, I, I'm open for someone coming in and having a conversation with me if you're hit for this amount of money. Yeah, it's just nice to be able to talk. Yeah, it is. You're right. And that's all I wanted it. And my yeah. ideas are free and I don't have to, I don't have to buy equipment and, maintain a facility i mean so it's it's really just it's it's a communication document i hope it bridges people a little bit get them a little more comfortable with electric vehicles and kind of see the future so that was really the, the point of the book what other books would you recommend people check out i one for you would be edison uh by edmund morris i think you'd like that okay but yeah what, what books would you recommend to us to check out i well, one uh, was Big Coal. Uh, the one by Bach, B-A-K-K-E, it's called The Grid, mm. Feats of Engineering. There's another book that I, I read for this. Uh, that's all I can come up with off the top of my head. Well, those are good ones. I'll uh, check them out. I I'll, like to read it. I Go have the uh, uh, bibliography in the book. So, Okay, sweet. Then... Um, what are there? I forgot to ask this, and it's in my notes. Though, are there alternative? It just seems like Tesla's doing all the good stuff. Is there? Is there anyone out there outside of Tesla, like lesser-known people doing good work in this field? They want. Yeah, I would say uh, Ford is pretty well along. Mm. Ford has uh, probably uh, the strongest position. Uh, all of the automakers are very, very sharp when it comes to engineers. So uh, Tesla has uh, a position, basically what I would say in time. They may be five or six years ahead of them, but these other companies, they have uh, massive amounts of engineers. The other big one on earth is BYD out of China. And they have some incredible engineering also. So mm-hmm. there is, uh, 
if you would say at 2018, I would have said Tesla had a six or eight year time gap on their competitors. And, you know, at this point, you know, it may be narrowing down to a two or three year gap. So that, that I uh, could tell you that the auto industry is producing a massive amount of cars compared to Tesla. You're talking about operations. Well, Toyota is 9 million vehicles, 9 million a year. And those are complex devices. And that mm -hmm. is a lot of humans working together. So uh, you are talking about some big hosses and manufacturing. And when they, their wheels may be turning slow, but when they get the gears grinding, they're going to overwhelm this world with electric vehicles. I can assure you because they can, they can put Tesla maybe can put 300 engineers on something. General Motors or Ford can put 3000. I mean, they got a lot of employees and they got a lot of brain power, which Whoops. I would. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say how many uh, Teslas are going out. I think it's like a year, a million a year or something like that. Like they're not up they're to not a lot. They're not quite there, but they may be up. Uh, I think it's like quarter six, million. Quarter yeah. million a quarter. Yeah. yeah. They're getting up there. I mean, I remember a report when it was 30, and I wrote it in the book and made a point when it was 31,000 a year. And mm. that was a point of celebration for us on the show. But uh, uh, the, uh, the magnitude of these other car companies is just, it's, it, they are, uh, like I said, when you talk about making four or five million or six million of something, that's a lot of numbers of something mm -hmm. that big. So uh, they have uh, a huge industry. I went to lunch. I got to go out with some of the Ford engineers mm. years ago. And, uh, you know, they didn't give me trade secrets or anything, but they have an electrical center. They know it works. They know what they got. And they, uh, uh I'd say some of it is fear of cannibalizing some of their other. It's a delicate balance because if they switched everything over to these simple vehicles that lasted for 300,000 miles, that cost, you know, it, it could it could tip their Apple card. It could disrupt the whole industry. So we just got to phase in the positives and phase out the negatives, I guess. Do you, are the rumors of an Apple electric car real they are they more. they're real i'm sure they're real now maybe three hundred thousand dollars and uh uh yeah i looked at one the other day they 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 have the money to do it they mm -hmm. absolutely have the money to do it and i'm sure there's an apple car sitting somewhere yeah i was i was reading that it's just a rumor but that people have been starting getting hired into apple with those oh, specialities it's like what else would they be doing is kind of the rumor is there more than that that substantiates it because it from what i was understanding it's like they hired a, like the people that would build like a like a tesla type set, setup so like it seems what else would they be doing it's all in china mm -hmm. uh i could assure you they have working models right now as we speak somebody's driving around inside something of a concept apple car and they do that. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it all uh, uh, applies. The, the same thing basically applies to the phone or to Tesla, or whatever these in making things out of electronics, uh, the farther you go down the road, the lower and the lower the 
Koskel gets mm-hmm. and the, 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 the generational intelligence becomes better and better. So yeah, I'm sure there's an Apple car somewhere I would predict. And they have a, the rumor I heard was that they polled Apple product owners and 25% of them said they would buy an Apple car. Mm. So. Yeah, I know when, I think it was like 2008 or 2010 when Tesla was not doing well. 2008 or 2018 or whatever. I, don't yeah. know, there's a, I think there was an eight in the, the year. Yeah, but eight, yeah. Where it wasn't doing well. And I just kept telling all my friends, like, I think Apple should buy them. Apple should buy it. Because it, it, it looks like an iPhone with wheels. You know, it's You're like, right. it just feels right. But Everybody so no, talked about that. Now, the, the 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 to finish that sentence, you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Except that's when Elon bucked up the money. Mm-hmm. See, so he uh, he put his own bet on himself, and that's why he's the richest person on earth. In the normal situation, you would bring in that extra cash from outside investors, and then they would hold warrants and stock positions and options on the future of the company. And uh, Elon kept that scenario from happening with his own personal investment. So you made a it's, heck of a good bet. Yeah, it's definitely worked out for him. The, just finishing on the Apple car, uh, the Apple car, uh, it needs a cool name. The, is there anything that you bet would be in it? I know we're going to, I actually probably should uh, wrap up. Uh, it's okay. Yeah, they will have, uh, all the gizmos, I'm sure it will integrate into everything that already is mm-hmm. Apple. And uh, it will have a giant communication system. Uh, and uh, I've heard that they will have automated charging, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah. Well, I'll try to advance it. Yeah. So, uh, sounds uh, fascinating. Just to, as like the last question I was asking people is like, when you want to go, where do you go to learn about these things? You know, where are the, the, the sources, the water and holes that you go to for someone on the internet listening? It's like, oh, this sounds really fascinating. I want to know what the advances in the Apple car or Tesla car, et cetera. Where would, where would you go for renewable enthusiasts? I go all on YouTube, basically. Mm. Almost, and, you know, uh, there's two or three. Uh, I follow a company that does SPAN, S-P-A-N, and they do smart uh, uh breaker boxes. So they are at the front of really the smart energy interactions. Uh, there is a buku of small solar guys. Uh, I follow a guy that does, and I don't have it off the top of my head, but he does battery testing. Mm-hmm. So I follow a lot. I basically follow battery testing for the most part. And if you would ask me to sum it all up, it still really is going to core around battery technology. So I mostly get on YouTube and look at battery videos and mm. uh, tearing the cars apart uh, is somewhat fun. That guy is Sandy Monroe. And then I also, now the other guy that I'm friends with is uh, Pete Gruber at Gruber Motors out in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And he has a lot of tech stuff. He is a savvy guy. And he is the only, the world's only Tesla Roadster shop. Mm. So he does uh, a lot of videos and he's, he's one of my favorite guys, probably. So I was, uh, um, I chit chat with him every once in a while. So I'll have to check that. I'll have to check them out. G-U-R-B-E-R. Everyone. Thanks for listening. If, if you like this, or if you would like to see, 
Richard come back on and maybe do like a live stream of a uh, breakdown of like a Tesla stock thing or whatever. Maybe we can do something else in the future, basically. Can... But thanks for coming on today. All right. Well, I really enjoyed it. And I, I certainly have the gift of gabs. Mm -hmm. It's, it was really good for me too. And I, I appreciate you.